Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the Bavarian Podcast Works flagship show that would also feature a preview of Bayern Munich's next game, which happens to be a Champions League fixture against Inter Milan in the Champions League group stages. And today I will be joined by BFWs and BPWs. I need no name. Uh, hello, N. How are you doing today? And what are your general feelings today, I guess? I'm okay, I guess. I mean, like, do I have after to have any specific... Game? Look, um, after no one wanted to do the post-game podcast for Union Berlin, and I was, I ended up doing it. I said that it's usually a jinx when I do the post-game podcast, but it's actually your fault, therefore, that we did not get all three points against Union, and I hope you can live with that, Schitzel. I, <laughs> yeah, I am to blame, but then I was actually kind of worried that our listeners shouldn't get bored listening to me like four or five times in a span of nine days. So I decided that maybe for the sake of having, you know, uh, more voices and maybe also some uh, element of surprise, we could still have you over for another post-game pod. And also, we generally tend to have a lot more listeners when you have your meltdown regularly. So uh-huh. that but there was that no meltdown of... because there is no nothing to meltdown about. This is the Union game was the same kind of game that we've been seeing so many times as Bayern Munich fans that it's become a cliche at this point. Although it does not usually happen this early in the season and in the Bundesliga, it's pretty rare to happen domestically. We saw Union, you know, park the bus and then they had a little bit of help from the referee. They got things very physical, made it very uncomfortable for us and we just could not score. So that is pretty much the topic that we agreed to discuss today, which is the fact that Bayern Munich versus these parked buses, this specific type of parked bus, which is very reminiscent of the ones that we see employed by Spanish teams in the Champions League, teams like Atletico Madrid and most recently VRL. Is this our kryptonite? Is this really a weakness that we can afford to have if we want to go the distance? We have these kinds of situations every season, like you mentioned. And this has been, you know, happening even since like Jupp Heinkiss and even the coaches before him. And I remember Pep Guardiola in the Champions League, he always came short of going the distance. Uh, I think twice because he faced such park buses and once because he had to face Real Madrid in the Champions League. That no, fixture, I, I think it's, 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 the, it's the opposite way around. He got knocked out twice, once by Real Madrid, once by Barcelona. Those weren't park buses, but against oh, yeah. Atletico Madrid. Right. Atletico but Madrid. This, yeah. The season that we knocked, got knocked out by Atletico Madrid, we did knock out Juventus, who were a park bus as well, especially in the Allianz Arena, in that very special 4-2 game that, like, it, like it's one of the best Champions League games I've ever seen from Bayern Munich. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, the Kingsley Coman goal at the end, and uh, I guess Thomas Müller's... Müller's last, equalizer. Yeah. Yeah, equalizer, yeah. The stoppage time equalizer. Phenomenal, yeah. But yeah, Yeah. like you said, uh, we still... I mean, yes, Pep Guardiola did face only Atletico Madrid uh, in in the park buses that eliminated us in the Champions League. But then, like you mentioned, Real Madrid and Barcelona at that stage, uh, that was a different issue. We had a lot of injuries. We played without Robin and Ribéry, so that was a handicap. And... I don't think uh, the yeah, squad his, was... But in later seasons, we did have those issues. Like, most recently, exactly. as under Nagelsmann, we saw against VRL, they 
basically completely shut us down even when we had Robert Lewandowski. So it's not like this is an issue caused by Robert Lewandowski leaving this season. This is an issue that we have been seeing for years and years. And I think the only coach that did not have any issues with park buses was Hansi Flick himself. He faced Atletico Madrid in the group stages and completely blew them away 4-0. And it wasn't like that was a weak Atletico side. They won La Liga that year. So yeah, Hansi, Hansi knew how to get it done. But like even I even was, the great Hansi had yeah. problems against Sevilla in the Super Cup, and he also problems, but struggled. that the real problem against Sevilla in the Super Cup was Anthony Taylor, in my opinion. I mean, you could say that against pretty much every referee that we get in the Champions League because they all seem to do a terrible job. Even not always. I think they. I mean, ninety percent of the time, I think the. I'm not saying the decisions always go against Bayern, but we always seem to get pretty questionable refereeing. Almost every single fixture. I mean, against VRL, and, it was perfectly fair, in my opinion. Like, there was nothing to say about the referee in that I think, game. So. I think in the second leg against VRL, uh, there were a lot of fouls that weren't called. And there was a lot of diving and time-wasting that just... I, 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 don't don't really, I don't really agree. I don't remember VRL resorting to those kinds of tactics because we really did they, not they, threaten... We did not threaten their goalkeeper, in my opinion, against I, VRL. Like... Really, he did not have to have one of those performances that we usually think of when we think of Bayern's eliminations in the Champions League, like what Jan Sommer did against us last week or yeah, what think... Keylor Navas or Jan Oblak have done to us in the past. It wasn't one of those performances. Like, yeah, in, I think in, I... Uh, in the first leg, uh, if we had taken an advantage or maybe even a draw, the result would have probably ended up in our favour in the second leg. But because we couldn't get an advantage in the first leg and because they defended so resolutely, we just, I don't know, we didn't have any advantage to carry into That is kind of getting away from the point here, which is the fact that our attack, like, is it weak to these park passes? Like, the fact that the Bundesliga does not have these kinds of teams playing against us like this regularly, I think maybe that puts us at a disadvantage in Europe when we have to break down resolute defenses because we just don't have the kind of experience needed to you know, keep on knocking on the door and keep going until we get the goals that we need. And I think Navasman's system in particular is a little bit more susceptible to this type of football than maybe other coaches who have been in charge of us in the past. I think, uh, so initially when you mentioned that the Bundesliga may not have teams with such packed defenses and such, you know, strong defensive lines. Uh, I think you were along the right lines. Uh, the first three games in the Bundesliga, we won convincingly and we kind of swatted our opponents away because those teams were not afraid to attack, not, were not afraid to venture out of their own halves and that resulted in their demise. But after the Mönchengladbach game, I think Union Berlin came with a very clear game plan. They were to sit back, defend, absorb the pressure and strike on the counter and I don't think we really seem to have many answers for it. But but that being said, I believe we would have won against Union Berlin had Thomas Miller started. Yeah, that's fair. I guess 100%. I can also also agree with that because Thomas Miller adds the level of unpredictability to our attack that it makes it very difficult for even the most packed defense to... I mean, I guess the main weakness of a packed defense would be space and who better to find space than the space interpreter or the round deuter. But the thing is that Thomas Muller, he, I think we saw this week that Nagelton is basically telling us that there is no way that a 33-year-old Thomas Muller can play every single game and play 4,000 minutes in a season like he used to in his prime. And 
like it is a hard truth to accept and i am still having a little bit of difficulty accepting it but maybe if it is true then we are in for a tough time this season because i i feel like after what union did to us a lot more teams in the bundesliga will start um just trying to pack their defensive lines get like a proper 3-5-2 and make sure that they limit as many chances as possible so that he cannot knock them down and if it happens in a game where Thomas Muller is not playing or Jamal Muziala is unable to play then that could be that could become a recurring problem for us and that could be a reason for us dropping far more points than we expect to otherwise in any given season do you, are you worry do you share the same worry as me because i think we are in for a rough time now i think with bayern's attack the attack right now it it plays nagelsmann style of football and it has a lot of very pacey players who are also very very smart at exploiting half spaces but the thing is if you see bayern historically they've always played with a proper number 10 an attacking midfielder who kind of dominates those spaces and also knows when to make the right pass so that he can unleash those wingers those attackers down different lanes and you know produce the best out of this attack and thomas miller has been at the heart of our attack for as far a as decade. i can remember now yeah more than a decade right yeah. so i think he st- started featuring since the age of 18 or 19 under louis van al and he has been playing for us since and yeah and there's a reason is... why people say muller always plays or at least some of us say exactly. that exactly and... so the thing is i believe that in games where we do not feature thomas miller we desperately need an attacking midfielder who can take that role we cannot make you know uh half as substitutions like you can't have kingsley come on there you can't have leroy zani there i know that they can also play as half space players but they're not the same and with respect to passing iq vision you cannot get better than thomas miller at those things so i'm not saying a like for like thomas miller type player but someone who can take those roles well, someone we did have someone like that, that situation. yeah so we did have someone like that on the pitch against union and that was jamal muziala but no uh, i actually disagree i think i think even muziala can be best used if he has someone alongside him to make those passes to play those one twos with him and i don't think there was anyone on the pitch who was giving support so for instance let's say uh bayern starts trusting paul vaner a little more and maybe giving him some minutes i know that some people think he's not ready for first first team minutes but in fixtures like for example the one against victoria köln right i don't know thomas miller played and we did get a good result but was it worth playing him throughout the entirety of the köln game just to have him benched against a much more difficult fixture in union berlin i don't know in those instances i feel like paul vaner could maybe get a chance maybe we could try out marcel zabitzer or ryan gravenberg at the 10 position although they're more you know uh, they they prefer to play as an 8 or a 6 i think we should try out more options because when we lose thomas miller this attack fails we need yeah. some backup yeah i mean okay but if you remember um under flick there was that part of the season where thomas muller got covid and who did we turn to in those times to fill his role in the system it was jamal muziala wasn't it against lazio where muller was not available muziala stepped up and he did an amazing job in the same role as thomas muller not doing the exact same um things that muller is capable of but doing his own thing that he only he is capable of on this squad and making up for muller's absence by doing that so i think jamal muziala is 
maybe the answer and is the answer at least in terms of what Nagelsmann also sees because there is no way that he would have started us against Union I think if both Muller uh, and Musiala were unable to play he would not have started like um, you know Gnabry, Mane, Sane and Coman together I think that is a recipe for disaster because those guys like you can't have four wingers and no tagging midfielders or strikers in the system but like I think there's also the problem here that Nagelsmann system it is not as accommodating to with and the other uh to those other players like I'm not explaining it well like basically it is not as conducive to opening up spaces against park buses because it lacks width and it lacks the ability to drag players out of position like we saw under coaches of yesteryear like Yopankis or Hansi Flick where the notion of using guys like for example Robert Lewandowski to drag players drag markers and beat their man and get balls into very dangerous locations that is not the same philosophy that we see under Nagelsmann. Under Nagelsmann, we see a different philosophy of packing the box with as many attackers, getting the ball into high-quality positions, and then letting the players play among themselves. And against open teams, it seems to work really well. But against Park Buses, in my opinion, it seems to be showing its weaknesses. Okay, two points. Uh, firstly, in the first three Bundesliga games, I know that we did not face as much of a park bus as we're facing these days. But the thing is, the attack, we saw that they could, one of the strengths of the 4 triple two is that they can shift from the wings to the half spaces in the middle of the midfield and then move back to the wings in the blink of an eye. It is versatile. So it involves players who are accustomed to playing both as a winger and as an attacking midfielder, which is why Thomas Miller and Jamal Muziala really thrive in those roles because they can change locations, spots, and positions within the blink of an eye. And that, I think, is very crucial in upsetting opposition defenses, putting them under confusion and just generating more chances. And that is one of the biggest, I would say, positives from Nagelsmann's system because I haven't seen this sort of attacking fluidity and like aesthetically pleasing football in a very, very long time. Probably not even under Pep Guardiola because the ball circulations and the way the movement is, you know, around the pitch, the way the way it's it's so fluid and it's it's so pleasing is something that I only see uh, in Nagelsmann's style of football. And I think it still can be executed against Park buses. I just and the second thing is uh, Sadio Mane. We saw him play really well in the first few games of the season. We saw him almost have a telepathic understanding with Sane and Gnabry, but I don't know what happened to him this game against Union. It's probably a one-off. Maybe it's not. But he certainly wasn't the same player we saw in previous games. And you mentioned that he made so many stray passes. That was so uncharacteristic of him. I would say him, see him making all those passes in any other regular game. So I was surprised by his performance and also the performances of some of our other attackers. So I wouldn't say that it's a complete failure of the system against Union as much as I would say that many of the attackers underperformed. And it was kind of weird because I don't expect like Sadio Mane to have those kinds of games. Well, I should, at this point, I should point out that like the system doesn't look the exact same at the moment as it did in the first few games of the season. Because in the first few games, we had a very staggered front line with the strikers staying far further up the pitch than the attacking midfielders. You mentioned the fluidity 
offered by the 4222 formation. But recently, I've been seeing a much more static 424 style setup from Nagelsmann and Bayern Munich that I definitely saw hints of it against Wolfsburg. But now I'm 100% certain that Nagelsmann has made a correction to his system and he has changed it in terms of how the players are positioning themselves on the pitch because you look at like you look at the last game against Union Berlin how was Alfonso Davies playing he wasn't playing as far out wide and as far up the pitch as we are used to as a pseudo winger he was often staying further behind and he was regularly when faced with an opportunity to go 1v1 with his marker he instead dribbled infield towards the midfield and then tried to make a vertical pass to release a runner from our attack that is something that like it feels like a change i don't know if it just feels different because we are not scoring as many goals anymore but it feels like a major change in how Nagelsmann has been setting up the team and a detrimental one because it feels like recent games we have been a lot more predictable in the way we attack compared to how we were against RB Leipzig and Frankfurt and Bochum and those teams because like you tell me have you noticed that change that I'm talking about or am I just going crazy so I think that the sample size is too tiny because we just had one game without Thomas Miller right so um, I'm not just talking about Thomas Muller because I said that uh, I saw it against Gladbach as well. And I saw a little bit of it against Wolfsburg. Not a lot, like, but it was there. The okay. hints of so it were there. But, I think the yeah. mistake you're doing here is comparing the Union game to the Gladbach game. The Gladbach game, we should have won by a massive margin, if not for one of the best performances in the history of the Bundesliga by any goalkeeper, even the history of the world for that matter. So that was an anomaly in that sense. And... I think we were fantastic against Gladbach. I don't know what your opinion on that is. My opinion I, I, is that we looked different. Like, we did I not think... have that. As far as I'm concerned, the new system that is being used by Nagelsmann, it has a few hallmark um, qualities, which is, first of all, the fact that we have attacking fullbacks. Second of all, we have two strikers and two attacking midfielders. The two attacking midfielders are often dropping deep alongside our pivot midfield pivot to often forms something that looks like a diamond in midfield and that helps us win the midfield battle now against what should i say against both union berlin and gladbach instead of that diamond forming that i mentioned we saw what i would describe as the strikers dropping back and the attacking midfielders going very far wide if you look at how thomas muller was playing against union after he came on. He was very far out onto the right-hand side of the pitch rather than playing centrally and helping to drop deep and collect the ball and move it up field. I think that is a change in our setup that Nagelsmann has actually, um, he's actually made it happen. And that is one of the key reasons that we are not scoring as many goals as we were right at the beginning of the season. I, I just think that you're overthinking. And okay, I don't maybe. think there are any major changes, honestly speaking. I think the Gladbach game was still very good to my eyes. I think the attack was functioning really well and fluidly. And uh, I think your doubts should be dispelled by the time we face Inter in the Champions League. Thomas Miller will be back in the, in the fray. And if you still feel that there are issues then, and that we still cannot break down parked buses in that game, then maybe we can have a discussion about this later. But right now, it's just a very tiny sample size. 
Okay, then I guess this is a good point to move on to our preview for the Inter game. So, first of all, let me ask you, Schnitzel, um, what do you know about Inter as a whole? Like, what do you do? You watch them? Do you watch Serie? A? I do not watch the Serie A because it's a pretty boring league. But mm-hmm. I do follow many of the top teams via highlights and the occasional game. And Inter happens to be one of them because, of course, they've won the Serie A recently and they have a very good squad. So I have been following the squad as a whole and, of course, their recent fixtures. And I would say that they are not a team to be taken lightly. But their recent game gives me a lot of confidence heading into this game. What do you think about it? Well, I don't have much to think about because I have never seen an Inter Milan game in my life. Um Oh, you didn't no, see the least, Milan derby? Like, I did. Uh, I was recording the post game podcast during that time. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, so I could not watch that. And like in terms of Serie A, I only tune in for Juventus. And people who are listening to this may not know this, but it is very difficult to watch Serie A here in India. First of all, the games are very late at night, and second, the games are on Voot, and I don't know who has Voot. So yeah, um, I think Serie A has that advantage in India that. Yes, it is late at night, but that also helps because it's kind of boring. So it's easy to sleep when you're watching a Serie A game. I don't think so. I don't think those are actually good points for it. But anyway, <laughs> the, let's not let's so, not clown Serie A okay. too much. So okay? let me talk we about Inter talk Milan Inter. for you. Yeah. yeah. So they're currently sixth in the Serie A table. They're mm-hmm. below Juventus in the table, which tells that's, you that's terrible. Bit. That's terrible. Yeah. Juventus have been yeah. horrible. Exactly. But the recent game against. AC Milan tells you a lot more. Yes, mm-hmm. AC Milan are a quality club at the moment. They're facing some kind of rejuvenation, having uh, had some really good signings in recent years. And uh, Leao is one of them. He's just very good recently. And obviously, Olivier Giroud, who usually just makes a habit of scoring against Inter, he might mm-hmm. even like go silent for like five, six games, and then he comes out of nowhere, scores against Inter. So what I noticed... Uh, about Inter's game plan is that they're also a team that likes to park the bus, or at least against AC Milan, they were sitting back in their own half and striking on counters. But the thing is, their midfield is organized in a way that enables them to progress the ball up upwards really quickly. So, for example, the first game that they, uh, the first goal that they scored against AC Milan, which is also the first goal of the game, was scored by Marcelo Brozovic, and it it went from defense to attack within just four, just three or four passes. It okay, so very direct. Yeah, it's very direct in the way that they attack uh, using counter-attacking lanes. So they minimize the number of passes they need and they have players who can run into spaces really well. So that kind of football enables them to surprise opponents. And I think the midfield battle would decide a lot in this game. So they have some really good midfielders as well. And their main midfield trio, it's not a duo, it's a trio, features Brozovic, uh, Chalhanoglu and Nicolo Barella, and I'm pretty sure you know all three players. Yeah, I know so, all three players. Chalhanoglu yeah. used to play in the Bundesliga for Bayer Leverkusen, if exactly. I'm not mistaken. And yeah. Barella, a hugely rated player. Brozovic, we were linked with him, I think, two years ago, uh, back when Hansi was still in charge. And we did not get him in the end, but yeah, we were linked with him. They are all quality players, and they will be playing. Do you think fatigue? will play a factor for Inter because as far as I know, these guys have been playing pretty much their in this same unchanged 11 with very little rest coming into this game. 
Yeah, I think it could play a role, but I'm also concerned that Erin Jekyll only featured as a substitute in the previous game, meaning he could start against Bayern, especially considering he came on and he scored instantly. He had an instant Okay, so he would, Erin Jekyll, um, at least Romanu Lukaku is not playing, which is, actually, I'm not even sure if that's an advantage for us because... That's a bonus Lukaku, for Inter. Yeah, Lukaku, Lukaku's record against top sides is abysmal, so... Maybe we would have preferred for him to play. I know the Inter, I did a Q&A with the Inter blog and they said Lukaku's absence is a huge blow to them, but I'm not sure about that because uh, Lukaku has a bit of a reputation. I'll tell you what so, I know about Inter, okay? Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. So I know that they play in what is known as a 3-5-2 formation. They have three centre-backs, three midfielders, two wing-backs and two strikers. They sort of like to sit back and counter against bigger sides and they are very good at the San Siro, especially against I, I believe they did manage last season to get a win against Liverpool and Anfield and almost managed to make the comeback against them at their home game but it did not happen because Liverpool just have so much quality but overall I think that in terms of just the formation that they use it's a pretty bad matchup for Nagelsmann's 4 triple two. Yeah, and I also think that because we'll be, we might face the prospect of facing Erin Dzeko, who, if I have to pick a player who plays in a very similar style, are you aware of uh, Alexander Mitrovic, who plays for Fulham? Yeah, I do. He, he's been like, phenomenal this Premier League season. And oh, he's yeah, always yeah. a kind of player who just, I don't know, uses sheer willpower and also uh, the fact that he can just wrestle past a bunch of defenders and use his physicality and just, I don't know, just torture them throughout the game. So, Erin Dzeko is exactly that kind of player. He's huge. He's, like, imposing. And he can cause a problem in a physical battle with literally anyone. So, I think our defenders would literally have their hands full with Erin Dzeko so if he starts. So, what I'm hearing is you're saying that we should start Matthias Delict against Inter. I think uh, Delict and uh, Luca Hernandez start. Luca Hernandez goes without saying. He was clearly rested against... Um, yeah. He was clearly rested against Union Berlin just to have him fit for Inter because he has been playing every single game otherwise. But and, um, and I also Delict, think that in in Champions League, Hernandez is like undroppable. We have yeah, seen recently. He, just we've seen him completely yeah. shut down the likes of Neymar and uh, pretty much anyone else. And he lost against Villarreal, Villarreal, yeah, Villarreal because, as yeah. soon as he went off, we lost. So yeah, that's a bad memory. But yeah, so Lucas is definitely going to start. You start Matthias Delict, and I guess Delict is experienced against playing against these types of Serie A teams and his exactly. power in the air might be valuable against a team like Inter, in my opinion. But what about like the midfield? I know that you like Sabitzer and I know that like he's been playing really well. Do you think, would you drop him for Leon Goretzka at this point or would you keep the midfield unchanged? So Leon Goretzka, I'm not sure if he's still completely 100% match fit. So that is one question mark. And also, I think Zabitzer has been putting in some man-of-the-match performances recently. So when a player is in this trajectory and he is so crucial in winning the ball back, I, I don't know. Yeah, he like transformed into a defensive midfielder. And this this looks wonderful. It's like he has been doing this for ages. And yeah, it's he keeps a bit like a Kante high. role, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. He pushes very high and he wins the ball outside the opposition box, which is something that's amazing. And he gets the ball back. He instantly circulates it to 
you know, quick uh, start and another attacking move. So I think that that would be valuable in breaking any sort of low block that Inter, Inter have because uh, I don't see Goretzka slotting in and giving us that kind of impetus against Inter. So I would start with Zabitzer and I would probably sub, sub substitute in Gravenberg in, in case we need goals because that guy has a lot of flair and he has, you know, uh, a way to just grab goals in crucial situations. So Okay. Okay. Probably not okay. play Goretzka at all. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Sure. But that I've been, I actually have been stalling because the real question I wanted to ask you is about the attack. We are pretty much in agreement that Mane, Muller, and Musiala should start, right? So, um, about Mane, I was not very happy with what I saw against Union. Unhappy enough to bench him. You know what? To be honest, uh, let let Mane start because hmm. I don't think he. I don't think he's gonna have two terrible games in a row. It's yeah. so unlike money, and he's clutch in the Champions League. So yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah, that leaves one final slot open for one last attacker, and I'm very curious as to who you think it might be because, in my opinion, right now we should be looking at putting Serge Gnabry there. You know, I think so too. Actually, surprisingly, because I don't know, Leroy Zane, probably not, but as a substitute, maybe. I think Kingsley Como has like the biggest sort of argument for playing in that role. But I don't think he functions as well as a proper striker or a wide forward as he does as a pure winger. So yeah. just just for the sake of having players in the right positions, we cannot accommodate Zane. Yeah, and in Kona. my opinion, like those first few games where we played with Mane and Gnabry up top and Muziala and Muller behind them were the games where Bayern looked the most balanced, in my opinion, in attack. And that's why I wanna, I think that Mane and Gnabry seem to have a good connection between them that he lacks with the rest of the squad as of this moment. And Sane, honestly, like, I still, I know that he scores a lot and he assists and he does all of those goal contributions, but I just don't think he brings enough to the table to justify him getting a starting role in the Champions League against a team like Inter Milan at the moment. I think that all the other attackers are doing more than him, especially in terms of just opening up spaces, in terms of unlocking defenses, which is something that we need more than ever now that we don't no longer have a battering ram like Lava Lewandowski to just make goals out of nothing. So and Zane I also think is, that yeah. Zane only plays if Jamal Muziela is not on the pitch. That's what I think. Yeah, and why he, would you ever not have Jamal Musiala on the exactly. pitch? Exactly. Other than other than Muziala, Muziala for every Champions League game, without a doubt, because as good as Zane has been in uh, like this season, uh, aside from the previous game, Muziala is just on a different planet altogether. Yeah, I mean, Muziala. He, and he probably why wouldn't feel... you want ha- want to have like the combination of Muziala and Davies on the left hand side barreling down against Inter's wing back? I don't know actually who they have who they use as a right wing back do you know you know now that you mention it it's almost uncanny how they resemble the alaba ribery partnership a I little mean, bit Muziala, a little bit Muziala dribbles like ribery muziela yeah. is so good in tight spaces just like ribery and alaba used to bombard especially in his earlier days at Bayern. the first i think after the treble winning season when he was also used as a defensive midfielder he became an exclusive left back and he was so good for us there for a long time and during that time, when he used to combine with Ribéry, I think yeah. I see Alfonso Davies and Jamal Muziala along similar lines. Of course, Fonzi is much faster and much better overall as a left-back than 
Alaba. I'm sorry, he was I'm a legend. Not, I, I don't, I'm I don't not... think I agree with that yet because Fonzie, he has everything he needs to be better than Alaba, possibly in the next few years. But right now, his attacking game could still use a lot more sharpening up. In my opinion, that Fonzie, defensively, he is very difficult to get past. But offensively, he needs to be doing a lot more. He needs to be getting more goals and assists, and especially assists. Like someone like Trent Alexander-Arnold should be Fonzie's target in terms of how much impact a fullback can have on the game. Because I think Fonzie is more than talented enough to do that. And that is the kind of, um, that is the kind of, what should I say, role that he should be looking to occupy. In I understand where you're coming from. I understand yeah. where you're coming from, but I feel like Fonzie's attributes make us expect way too much from him. And I think that's kind of unfair because he is also in a very, he's still in a relatively early stage of his career. And we put too many duties on him. Like he, he's the one who's supposed to come back and defend. He's also the one who's supposed to bombard in front with those runs and, you know, try and chip in with some crosses, some assists. So it's like way too much on one person. And I think his his role could be accentuated by Muziala playing there, but it's unfair to ask too much from him, especially considering Alexander Arnold and Joao Cancelo, for example, the supposed, you know, two best uh, right backs in the world or whatever, are just not half as good as, as he is at defending. Yeah, they're I just, agree. Miserable. But yeah. like, my counterpoint is that when you have a truly exceptional player like Alfonso Davies, shouldn't you be pushing him to achieve as much as he can with his exceptional talent? Because, like, look, um, you should not be using him like a normal player. That would just be leaving his, what he has to offer on the table. And that, I don't think Bayern Munich can afford that because we don't have a ultra super duper squad that can pretty much conquer any kind of team, no matter what. So we need to be using every single player at our disposal to their full potential. And I think Alfonso Davies's full potential is um a supremely talented two-way player. Yeah, yeah easily the, he's already the best left back in the world, in my opinion. But he can go even higher. You know, like maybe one of the top left backs in history. Like you think about amazing attacking left backs, guys like Marcelo, for example, who used to get so many assists, especially in the Champions League, to Cristiano Ronaldo. Absolutely. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Why can't Fonzie? What is stopping Fonzie from doing stuff like that? Not, nothing much, really. He has all the talent in the world. He played as a winger for Vancouver Whitecaps, and he does it for Canada. And while those are not the same level of competition as what Bayern Munich expects, he has. Yeah pretty much everything in him and he should be terrorizing that left flank of Inter Milan, sorry, the right flank of Inter Milan for pretty much the entire 90 minutes when we face them at the San Siro because in all honesty, I think the game will be won or lost on the wings. It will have to be a game where Knucklesman uses all of the width at the disposal, which also means that Benjamin Pavard will have to come out of his shell a little bit and start attacking, which he has shown capable of this season, like Pavardovsky so is a thing, you know? Yeah, Inter Milan also uh, wear a blue jersey. You basically want a repeat of what happened against Chelsea in 2020, right? Uh, Exploiting the wings, Davies yeah, running past I guess. a bunch of defenders. Yeah, I guess. Okay. I guess you could say that. I mean, yeah. that would be nice to have. But I would also like to just see us, like, you know, show those attacking combinations that we showed in the first few games of the season that... I really did miss against Union. The Union game left a very sour taste in my mouth, not just because of the result, 
but also because we did not seem as competent as I thought we seemed two weeks ago when we beat VFL Boham 7-0. And because of that, um, my confidence in the team is quite shaken. And I hope that um, in recent years, Bayern Munich have gained a reputation for whenever we happen to have a disappointing result, we come back into the next game and absolutely blow our opponent away. So I'm hoping for that kind of a phenomenon to manifest itself yet again. And we see a very strong start to our Champions League campaign, which I think we will need because our group this season is very tough. Like it yeah, is probably the toughest group we've had in how long? You mentioned probably the toughest group I've ever seen us having in my time. As in a, a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. In a very long time. It looks very tough. And a lot can be decided by these big fixtures against Inter and Barcelona because we know that, okay, I'm, it's probably easy to assume that all these clubs will beat Victoria Pilsen, right? I don't think any of them will have any troubles with that. Well, Inter fans seem to think that they are going to go to Pilsen and definitely draw points. So that's that's very funny. Wow. Okay. It, it, it so is really funny. You mentioned, the point I wanted to talk about is, you mentioned that Inter's uh, style of play can, you know, basically be the antithesis of what Nagelsmann is trying to do. And maybe we fall right into the trap. But it also works the other way around in that their defense is uh, like features basically four Matthias Delicts, you can say, mm-hmm. or three for that matter. And Stefan de Vrij and Milan Skriniar are like very imposing, uh, tall defenders who are very, very physical, but they're not quick at all. And I think yeah. that if you exploit those half spaces, just get in behind that defense, players like Mane, Gnabry, Muziala could have a field day against them. Let's way, I, I guess that would be that would yeah. be ideal, I suppose. And also, you know, Yozo Kimmich also, who has been chipping in with goals regularly nowadays, he has been way more involved in the attack recently, mainly because Sabitzer has been cleaning up so well behind him defensively. I think all of those guys will be crucial. And obviously, Thomas Muller coming back into the lineup will be the most important thing as far as the entire setup is concerned. Do you yeah. have and a prediction? Final question. Final yeah. question. Before we move on to the prediction. Yeah. Are you happy with Benjamin Pavard? <laughs> yeah, I am. He is. Wow. He has been He has been good. I, Excellent. I literally, yeah. I literally said in one of the post-game podcasts, he has been very good this season. And if he can maintain this form, I mean, again, he did not have a great game against Union, in my opinion. Good game defensively. Um, Zero impact offensively. And I'm kind of annoyed at how... Often he tries to take those volleys that always seem to sail over the bar. I get it. You scored a great goal in 2018. That was four years ago, man. It's not going to happen <laughs> again. Please just cross the ball to the head of one of our attackers instead. Please, man. But yeah, Bonjour I think it's also to do with him scoring two goals in the first two games. Yeah, but those goals weren't weren't like Hollywood real that goals. Those, those yeah, were more like yeah. striker goals. That's why I kept calling him Pavardovsky. He kind of resembled Lewandowski when he was scoring those goals. That is true, yeah. So yeah. you would be uh, uh, in line with, for example, Bayern if they decided to extend him for five seasons? No, please, no, no, no not yet. Come on, he's playing okay. for a contract okay. right now. Maybe, maybe give right. him the chance to get half a season of consistency under his belt. Like we have seen him go up and down, left and right, so often. So I want to see his form stay here stay this way and I also want Nusser Matsraoui to get a chance to maybe unseat him. Based on what we saw against Victoria Colm, that is not going to happen anytime soon but you know we did spend a lot of money on this guy. We are giving him a significant amount of money in terms of salary so he is definitely going to get more chances and 
I hope he shows us the qualities that caused us to make a bit higher than what Barcelona bid for him to get him from Ajax. Yeah, okay. Now let's move on to the predictions, I guess. Predictions, and, yeah. Uh, before I give, you don't want to give a prediction, I'm assuming, because... I mean, I uh, for this... the for the interblog, yeah. they asked me what my prediction is. I told them I don't normally do predictions, but for this game, I will give a 3-1, but I won't say to which team. Wow, okay. That doesn't really help. No, it doesn't help. It doesn't help. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think the game would be well contested, but I think Bayern shouldn't have an issue. We won't keep a clean sheet most probably, but we should get the goals in. I, I, I'm I, thinking of like a blowout, like 4-1. Wow, okay. So yeah. um, there you have it, folks. If we lose to Inter, you know exactly who to blame. That is Schnitzel. And pretty much that is all we have to talk about today. So thank you for listening. This was Bavarian Podcast Works. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever you like. Please follow us on Twitter at Bavarian FB Works. And this was I Need No Name and Schnitzel. Thank you for listening. The next time you'll hear us will be on our post-game podcast for Inter. So stay tuned for that. Thank you and good night. Vielen Dank und auf Wiedersehen.